Woodstock, Deadheads, The Village, Kate Ashbury, Counterculture, Women's Lib, Karma, Enlightenment. <laughs> sound familiar or sound foreign? That's okay. Join us, the two old bogey yogis, as we reminisce, discuss our spiritual paths, and explore all things yoga, meditation, and more. Your hosts each week are Swami Yashokananda and Reverend Prem, who between us have nearly a hundred years of living La Vida Integral Yoga. And that's what makes us the two, two old bogey <laughs> In our last episode, we discussed the fourth yama, brahmacharya, in Patanjali's yoga system. Brahmacharya is translated as celibacy or continence. Today, we're going to continue the discussion with a very intimate and revealing sharing from Swami Ashokananda about his personal journey with celibacy. But first, I'm going to read a list of reflections offered by Swami Karunananda that may help guide our listeners when considering how to best apply the teachings of Brahmacharya in their lives. Okay, let's begin. Number one, if you want to be in an intimate relationship, yogis recommend finding a good partner and observing moderation. Number two, to avoid external stimulants that kindle up desires too much, internal thoughts mm. that may come, treat them as guests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be selective who you want to entertain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Diet is important. Mm. Uh, so according to the Upanishads, she explains, food has three levels, which relates to the gunas. Mm. And to be mindful that food can affect our desire levels mm. and even the clothing we wear mm. can have the, an effect and an impact on the observance of brahmacharya, fabrics and styles. Mm. So she put out these questions, five questions to ask yourself, are there areas in my life where I don't practice moderation? Does this cause harm? to myself or to others? Are there ways I could do better? Number two, do my entertainment choices support purity in thought, word, and deed? Number three, do my dietary preferences tend to be sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic? Can I observe the effect of food on my body, hmm. my mind, my energy levels? Number four, does my lifestyle in general support my spiritual aspirations? And number five, something we touched on that if in an intimate relationship, do I always consider the needs, health, energy, circumstances of my partner as mm. well as myself mm. so as to nurture the relationship and support both of our well-being? So these are questions that our listeners can just reflect on. Yeah, beautiful questions, yeah. And it does lead me to another question, and I don't know if this is an overly sensitive or would be kind of a uh, difficult subject for you, but I did want to ask you that as a sannyasi, you are in a different situation, and yeah. that is that you're leading a celibate life, and 
that's very different than considering being continent, being moderate. This is a prescription that I would think it's a very specific one. And has that been a struggle for you? You shared a little bit about if you keep your mind in an elevated space that that helps, but can you share any real life experience on what that has been like for you and what you recommend in terms of if people want to follow that type of a lifestyle? Yeah. Thank you for asking it. Uh, no, I don't feel it's too sensitive. Uh, uh, I can talk about my situation. I think there's some benefit in the normal path to sannyas, which is to go through the brahmacharya stage as a student, the householder stage, then the, the, the partner stage where you're, you're co-seekers more the, uh, at that point. And then when one partner dies, you become a Swami because you've lived through all the stages. Maybe some people have gone through those stages in other lifetimes and then they come they're, they're as a young person, they're drawn to that path. Oh, that uh, makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It seems like just such an impossible thing, especially in this day and age. And yeah. Yet we know that there are plenty of swamis uh, in India, around the world. So, yeah, could be past yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. So, because I have no reason, no idea why I was pulled in to this life at such a young age. And so, uh, throughout those years, there were women who expressed interest in me. I remember one woman said, you know, I can give you a pleasure that you would never believe, believe you know, and I, and I was just so clear. No, no, I, I'm a Swami. I'm not, I'm not, that's not my thing. You know, uh, uh, I appreciate, uh, I'm grateful that you think you would want me to enjoy that, but. That's so, I think that's so rude. <laughs> I think they really oh wanted me God. to enjoy it. They said, look, you're a young man, you know, you seem a little bit rigid. Uh, I can I can show you a really good time, Swami. Oh <laughs> that is that is really rude. I think that's I I, I don't think that's very nice. So <laughs> you know someone's on a particular path, and then who do you think you are? Well, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was Gurudev, you know, coming to me to see what I was really interested in. Ah, so you took it as a test. But in, uh, in 2008, I had that, uh, uh, it came up for me, and I did accept a, uh, an intimate relationship with a woman. Well, wait, now, hold on a second. So up until, when did you receive sannyas? What year was that? 75. So 1975, you became a Swami, and then... What was the celibacy thing a thing for? Had you had relationships before that? And how yeah. old were you at that point? So I moved into the LY when I was 19. Once I moved in, I didn't have any relationships. So I had a I had a girlfriend in high school. But uh, let's put it this way: you didn't have a lot of experience. I was very inexperienced. Okay, <laughs> so very inexperienced. So, did it even cross your mind when you're taking these sannyas vows that celibacy is going to be an issue for me, or I'm gonna, or did that just sort of seem like a natural thing, or was not a big deal? You know, we didn't have a monastic order, and then Gurudev suggested that we, why don't we see who's interested in that? 
And I jumped up. Wow. And said, that's that's what I want. What it, just tell me what it takes to do this thing right. So I jumped up and said, I, I want that. And I, I, I had a, a, a woman friend. She was a married woman who was like a mentor to me. She was uh, f- further down the path than me, a very mature lady. And I told her, I, I'm going to become a Swami. I can't believe it. And she looked at me. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Are you sure? And she's the only person besides Gurudev who could have made me stop and question. I was so You're uh, so gung-ho. gung-ho. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh, I just saw her face and I, and I expressed a doubt. So I took two weeks to introspect because I respected her so much. And I saw that, yeah, you're kind of wet behind the ears, man. Uh, you don't have much experience in the world in general and in sex in particular. Uh, are you sure? And, I, and I, I honestly looked at myself and said, yeah, I recognize all that. And I still think I'm supposed to do this. Something felt, mm. despite uh, that, I was so grateful that she made me pause and look at, at uh, what, I, what could come up for me. And, you know, that was the first sannyasa initiation in 75. Uh, I took pre-sannyasa in uh, 73. I was 21. And I took sannyasa in 75 or 23. And, and, you know, most of those out of the 27 swamis, uh, only seven made it out of that initial group. I made it out, but I did have this experience in 2008 that I started telling you about. And do you think that many of the people who didn't continue on as swamis, it was because of the celibacy issue? Would you say primary? Yeah, I would say that was the primary reason. Uh huh. And over the years, did you struggle between that time and 2008? Did you struggle a lot or was it not that much? First few years, I kept doing certain asanas. I was thought to get a bit aroused. I said, oh, be careful, man. Uh, uh, and I found I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, try to stop the sexual energy by crossing my legs and squeezing. I said, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to kind of let the energy flow, a whole body flow. Of the, you can't tie the energy up in, in, in one chakra. The way to, to work through sexual issues is to let the energy flow through all the chakras in a healthy way. Wow. So, so you're, you're, you are really making a really important point here that repression ain't going to get you anywhere on the spiritual path. You're finished uh, on the spiritual path if you repress. I think... That's why, you know, the, uh, these priests, some little bit priests, they, they start looking at young girls, young boys, you know, uh, uh, everyone becomes sexually attractive if you mm-hmm. repress too much, you know, uh-huh. you push it down and, and then everybody looks sexual to you. And I saw that, that uh, I had to be careful of that. And, and, you know, mostly through trying to be direct the energy through karma yoga okay, I have this energy. Uh, if I just repress it, I'm going to be in big trouble. Can I direct it in a serviceable way? And it, it, that helped a lot. Mm. But apparently, I still had things to work through. It was good for me to see that. Uh, it was a hard time for me to, because I do try to be have integrity. I think uh, the currency of a Swami is their integrity. They don't have money but their currency is to be an integrity. Wow. And, and so I felt I was out of integrity. Uh, 
I did, I did love this person and, and it awoke in me a kind of a universal love. That was the amazing thing is that I saw that it's hard to go right to universal love. If you can have, if you can heart be open in a personal love and then let that keep growing. But if you just shut down and, and your heart becomes kind of shriveled, Gurudev used to poke me in the belly. He says, you're a dried prune, man. Where's the juice? You're all dried up. No one's going to practice yoga if they see you. Wow. Yeah. So I, I became too repressed. And I had to pay the piper. Wow. And, and I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of it because uh, it really helped me to, to see where I was and what I needed to do to do this path right. But you, I think it's incredibly brave, courageous of you to share about this because I remember at the time you really got a lot of criticism, mm. judgment. Yeah. Weren't there, I, I don't remember it completely clearly, but weren't there people who wanted to like throw you out and sure. Whoa. Was that yeah. really hard to go through? It's interesting. Uh, I think even then, definitely in retrospect, but even then I said, wow, this, this is the most powerful spiritual practice. I'm like down in the gutter from being in a very exalted place. I'm down in the gutter now. And uh, I don't have people's respect. Uh, and what a amazing way to grow spiritually. All I have is my, is, is my mantra and my guru and my Bhagavad Gita. That's why I started writing the Bhagavad Gita book. Oh. I had my mantra and my guru and the Bhagavad and everything else. I'd see people look at me uh, and say, oh, look at this fellow. Mm. And I said, my mantra, <laughs> my guru, <laughs> Bhagavad Gita. Wow. And, and, and I just stayed so focused. And I thought, they just put me in the kitchen. I was chopping vegetables. I thought this is that's a nice life. I used to have so much pressure on me now. So you mean because of what had happened, you were removed from your position of authority, right. yeah. whatever you were doing at the time. Uh, yeah. Were you at the time president of a uh, I was president of Sashandasham, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> and and now, so you were now you were thrown into the kitchen. Kitchen yeah. duty. <laughs> kitchen duty. Just uh the cook tells me what to do. No, don't chop it that way, chop it this way. Yes, ma'am. I, I just chop. And then when I go, when, when I finish my duty, I go home. I have nothing on my mind. I'm not worried about anything. I kind of like that life. Uh, <laughs> and how, that, long, how long did that go on for? I, I was hoping that, okay, this is, this is how uh, I'm going to lead a simple life. Like, uh, was it Father, Brother Lawrence uh, who wrote that book about? Oh, yeah, uh, practicing the presence. <laughs> he just was in the kitchen dish. his whole life. He, he yeah. became enlightened, I think, yeah. So I thought, okay, this is my path now. But uh, then um, the Swami in San Francisco, she left to take care of her son who had leukemia. And San Francisco needed a, wanted a Swami. So they asked me if I would come. So, and but, I, what, but, but I'm still like, the, what happened to where you made the decision I'm fascinated, one, by what was your process in getting into the relationship and then deciding to get out of the relationship? And then also how you were 
kind of brought back into the fold in a way, I guess, and given more responsibilities again, is, was it that you convinced everyone or you showed people that you really did want to lead a sannyas life? I mean, what happened? I'll start from the end. Um, no, I didn't, I had no interest, uh, no uh, initiative to go back to any position of authority. So they asked me to come to San Francisco. Uh, I said, you know, that's not up to me. And then uh, Ramananda was getting a little bit, he'd been in New York 18 years. He was looking for a change. So it worked out that he would, went to San Francisco. They needed a Swami in New York. And I was the only person, particularly any Swami, willing to go to New York. That's my hometown. Yeah. So they said, could you do this? I said, really? I thought I was going to be in the kitchen uh, chopping vegetables for the next, for the rest of this lifetime. They said, no, no, we need you to do this. So I went to New York. How I, how I came into it, I don't want to give too much graphic detail. No, we don't I, need graphic detail, and, TMI. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a love between me and this person. And I was pretty clear that it had to stay in a certain way. But she indicated it could go to a different direction. And I should come to that. That's probably the simplest way for me to put it. You mean, so she was saying, why don't we become partners, get married? Is that what she was talking about? No, well, why don't we at least get physical? Oh, okay. And see where it goes? See where it goes, yeah. Uh -huh. She wanted me to remain a Swami. Oh. She saw me as a Swami. Oh. So uh, then how is that going to work? I'm yeah, sorry. so okay. I said, you know... Look, you know, we, we wanted to probably move more away from a physical relationship. Uh, and we were working on that, I would say. You know, at least working on moderation and working on moving in that direction. Um, she saw me as a Swami. I said, look, if we're going to keep this relationship, then really I'm a minister. I can maybe become a minister, but uh, I can't remain a Swami. And she said, no, no, you're a Swami. Why don't you start your own order? Oh. And, and uh, you know, where monks can get married. There are some examples of that. In, right, yeah. In, in Hindu tradition. Uh, uh, I said, uh, I'm a company man. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to start anything new. So, unfortunately, it got a little acrimonious where we couldn't get aligned again. So, she informed people about our relationship. That's Whoa. that's. That's how it happened. And uh, uh, so then I had to come clean and say, yes, that's that's true. I, I have been having this, you know, she was in a different country, so I could only see her uh, maybe once or twice a year, but that went on for like two or three years. And I had to come clean. And then I had to, I think, you know, I met for in front of the whole community. I admitted my failings uh, and taken out of my positions. And I think I think I needed all those. Again, it's all the guru, I think, helping me to, I mean, I could I could have stayed as the head of the ashram uh, and been kind of in a revered state. I think that would have been the worst thing for me. I think, I think was, I was, you have to fall really low. You have to be on your knees to really understand what you need to on this path what 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 
what the transcendence of ego really means. It's no laughing matter, you know? Yeah. So that was my breach and it really helped me to, to tread this path. That was, uh, that ended in 2009 or 10. So it's been uh, over a decade now where I've been, I would say I'm grateful I had that experience and now, uh, and now I need to really follow the path of Brahman. So it seems like there was a part of you that was repressing something. For sure. Plus, you also felt that your heart really wasn't open in a way that could be the most fulfilling and feel spiritually aligned with your highest purpose. And it was almost like this relationship gave you the experiences that you needed in order to continue on the path that, that was really in your heart, which was a path of sannyas of a monastic life, but the, but you had to maybe confront some of these things that you hadn't really dealt with in your life and really look at that all. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people look at what happened to me and say, see, Sanya's life isn't, isn't for this day and age anymore. Uh -huh. uh, here was this very disciplined man. He couldn't make it. He couldn't stick to his vows. He, he went out of integrity. It's, it's not really for a path for the, for the modern day. I, I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I, I love this path. I love my life. Uh, I find the, so much value in it. Uh, the fact that I wasn't quite ready to fully follow it. Uh, I, I have to acknowledge that. Yeah. I think it's so amazing of you to do that, that, that you acknowledge it, that what you went through and yeah. what an incredible teaching and learning experience that was. Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine it is so enriched what you bring to your, your teaching and what you present to people and your understanding <laughs> of what the struggles that people who are not swamis go through. I'm much more humble and I listen with much more empathy now when people are struggling. I'm not on my high horse as much here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, but I have to, I, but I have to say that I think that it wasn't like pouring fuel on the fire, you know, uh, having those sexual experiences, it wasn't like, uh, I was getting more and more addicted to it or, or even like the chocolate cake where it became less, less it wasn't that it became less, less interested. It was fulfilling. And I think that I really wanted to, uh, know what that was, what that was. Mm -hmm. And I needed that under my belt to, to go out beyond it. So in a uh, sense, it's like what you're saying that really probably the best path is to, you start out being brahmacharya as a student, then you get into householder life, then go on to in later years, be a sannyasi. And that's probably the more natural kind of, in a sense, easier way than For trying sure. to live this lifestyle, in, especially in modern day life. There's a lady uh, uh, I started mentoring in Macedonia. I'm not even sure where that is. Uh, yesterday, or I had my 
mentoring session with her, and she expressed interest in monastic life. She grew up Christian. She thought she maybe should become a nun, but now she says, no, no, that's not my path. Uh, talk to me about your tradition of monastic life. And so, yeah, she was married, divorced. She has a child now, 13-year-old child. I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, raise your child. When that child is old enough, to, uh, we can continue talking about this. But uh, I see she has potential. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think she, I think someone like that could be ready. She's gone through it. She, uh, uh, an older person. I think it's good that young people consider it. Uh, but they have to, they have to be really clear about, about it. And I wish them all the best because it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like really challenging path, but yeah. So just amazing to hear your experiences, what you've been through, where you are with it today. I just feel so grateful that you shared this so honestly and openly. I think it's inc- it's just so incredibly helpful for listeners to hear what this path is really like and not sugar-coated yeah, and yeah. not trying to put yourself up as some whatever, whatever, yeah. and just showing the real nitty-gritty of spiritual life. This is it, raw, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to have a discussion of Brahmacharya and be hypocritical, so I'm glad that you, you probed me a little bit and I had a chance to come forward and talk about what my life has been like around Brahmacharya. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Sharon. This is um, it's just amazing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and will join us again for next week's episode. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and other apps. For more information about everything Integral Yoga, you can go to Integral Yoga. Dot org. Om Shanti.